guaranteed to do better numbers than McLaren's new car in the wind tunnel, it's season preview season on Motorsport 101. Welcome to episode 421 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And ladies, gentlemen, friends outside the binary, it is time. The big one. The main event of season preview season. It's the 2023 Formula One season preview. Fain excitement. Uh, Fain God it. help us all. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're, we're going to be real with you guys because we're honest and we respect our audience greatly. We're not really particularly excited for this one. We think it's probably going to be a seal clubbing by the guys in blue, but you know. I want to be excited about Formula One this year. I believe that there are things to get excited about. I just, I tire of the way that we consume the sport. I'm tired of the way that like the monolith of, of the sports social media fan base as a whole becomes a main character with a with a fucking outsized influence mm-hmm. i tire of that the unfortunately unfortunately their behavior is locked in for years yeah just like mercedes performance um with me as ever to break down the runners and riders of 2023 you just heard rj o'connell say hi again rj hello um great to be back for another season of formula one great to be back for another season of racing honestly Hundred percent. Well, we're, we're God, we're just days away now. Well, we're, it feels like we're back home again. Um, and with me as ever is Cam Buckley. Hello, Cam. Hi, everyone. Um, you know, I've been awake for uh, about thirteen hours now. Same. I, I think the it is actually putting me into a lucid state. <laughs> and that made, that meant that I was exceptionally productive in writing the set list for this episode. Yeah, Cam actually wrote a set list for once. He never sodding does that. So I'm actually I, I'm actually impressed, uh, Cam. That he managed to he managed more than a Doomslayer meme or the occasional one word answer of yikes. I'm very proud of him. Um, oh, it does appear though. If, <laughs> it do be like that. So for those who are listening in, take a guess at home which team Cam's talking about here. I'll give you a hint. It contains some exposed carbon. Wait, that, that, that's that not ri- right. Do you have any idea how shockingly little that narrows it down? Yeah, on, on, on second thought, maybe that knocks it down to maybe like nine teams. So, <laughs> before we get into our F1 2023 season preview, let's get the social media out of the way in places you can find us. Motorsport101.com is our website. Um, it's got all of our content on there, our podcasts, including some written stuff. And I wrote a piece on there for the, for the first time in a little while last week. My sort of return to school my post. It was about oh, that br- bright and joyous topic of Mohammed Ben Salim, the FIA president, and all of the shit regarding the FIA in the offseason. And me actually defending them it's a it's a weird one but just read it come back to me and you'll see where i'm coming from probably maybe um but all that's on there you can check us out on patreon as well patreon.com forward slash motorsport one if you want to back us financially on there and support us um if you want to follow us on social media you can at youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 twitter at motorsport underscore 101 motorsport 101 pod on instagram and if you want to follow our personal handles you can at dre underscore wtf1 at rj o'connell and at c buckley 917 you can yeah dre Pace yourself. You got a lot of F1 to cover. 
<laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah, I've got like two. You're out, you're out here. You're out here just like bumping elbows with Alex Brundle's dad. <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention that, but like, RJ has indulged me here, so I guess I have to talk about it a little bit. Yes, I got to sit down with Martin Brundle for an episode of Hot Takes Wednesday with him. Um, tremendous honor. Um, for those who are listening, um, being able to sit down for a good half an hour with Martin was an absolute delight. He is um, a sweetheart, a gentleman, gave us a you know, massive amount of his time and just being able to pick his brains about Formula One and just do, with, with such eloquence um, was was wonderful to sit in and listen to. So huge thanks to Sky for letting us be in there and have that happen. Um, it, it's but By the time this goes out, it'll be up on WTF1's YouTube channel and podcast. So um, if you're a fan of that too, and if, you, if you're a fan of supporting me, do check it out. It was a genuine dream come true. So um, big thanks to Sky on, and big thanks to my bosses at WTF1 for bestowing such gracious powers upon this pokey motorsport podcaster and host um so thank you for that and thank you for all your support on social media as well it doesn't go unnoticed oh yeah shall we talk some cars let's do it let's do it it's f1 2023 season preview time let's go We don't, we're not going to race any time with this. Uh, we're going for the bottom of the top of last year's World Constructors Championship. Uh, we're going to tra- talk about key personnel, any major changes where they're applicable. Uh, let's not waste any time. Williams Racing finished bottom of the table last year. They have Alex Albon, ninth in the, the last year's championship, and one of our three full-season rookies, Logan Sargent, wearing number two, fourth in last year's Formula 2 championship, and the first full-time American driver in over 15 years. God, it, it sucks that the last full-time American we had here was Scott friggin' Speed. I know Alex Rossi, who's a very solid driver, uh, made, a, made, a, made a cameo for a cup of coffee and some change. But uh, yeah, uh, it's been 16 years since we last had a full-time American in the series, and Logan Sargent is him. Um, like, I put a key question in every in every note form for every team, and my one for Williams was, how are we getting off the bottom? And... It, I'm not optimistic about Williams' chances here. Nah. I mean, look, I'll give them this. They had a very solid test in Bahrain. They did just about everything you could reasonably hope for them. Plenty of laps. I think they were second um, for, yep. for, to, for total mileage on the test. Yeah, second reliable. most mileage yep, overall. They, they were reliable, um, no major problems. You know, Logan Sargent got plenty of time in the car, which is the best thing you can really give him, um, which is always nice. Um as mentioned, they moved on from Nicholas Satifi. They've brought in Logan Sargent. Also, another big move was what set off what we call team principal city season because they brought in James Vowles, um, former Mercedes chief of strategy. And that was a big deal given that James Vowles had done 20 years in the Brackley family, going all the way back to when the team was BAR Honda. That's right. Um, Everybody knows him, of course, as Valtteri. It's James Vowles. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but uh, he was—he started up as a race engineer back in the days of BAL Honda and worked his way up to being chief of strategy. And yeah, a big move to poach him over from the Merckx family uh, to be their new team principal. And I think only the fourth full-time team principal they've ever had at Williams, given given we all know that Claire was deputy. You know. <clears throat> anyway, um, Williams are in are in a bit of a pickle here. Like I think. Their car is not great. 
it's very to the point. I think actually James has done a pretty good job of masking the organizational mess that is behind the scenes at Williams. Because I think Joss Capito leaving was a, I'd argue fellows, it was a bit of a genuine shock that he had just up sticks and quit. They lost their chief of aero as well. Um, Xavier Demizon, AKA FS Demizon, which sounds like a cryptocurrency. It does. It, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Losing your chief designer and your, your team principal at the same time effectively is never good. And, I mean, during the test, as you said, lots of laps with both drivers. It seems pretty good at low speed. It seems pretty good in a straight line. It's the middle portion of that where they kind of fall apart. They are visibly short on downforce compared to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, through the middle sector, the car just looks slow. They, they look better than last year, but better is a relative term. And I, I can't see them being anywhere but the bottom come race day because, again, better than last year isn't saying much when they were going into last year really rough. No, I, I agree. Like, And you know me. I, I love the midfield battles. I love looking at teams that are far down the grid. Mm. Like, that's where my energy really picks up. And with the Williams case, it's like, obviously, it'll take a while for them to get off the bottom. I don't expect it to happen this year. Not in the first year of a completely different team structure, but I don't expect this to be a repeat of how badly the Patty Lowe era went, realizing that the bar is subterranean, of course, but that is the last time that Williams brought in a big hire from Mercedes and everybody's worried like, oh my God, this is Patty Lowe 2.0. I don't think so. Here's what I'm curious about. What to you does success look like for Logan Sargent? Is it just him being able to score points in his rookie year? How many times does he have to get into Q2 or qualify ahead of Alex Albon? Does he just have to bring the car home in one piece more often than not? I would say don't look like Nicholas Latifi. Yeah. If he just doesn't get slaughtered, that's a win because as has been brought up before about Williams, it's kind of hard to benchmark them when they are looking like the clear weakest team in the field. Yeah, like honestly, I would settle for don't embarrass yourself, kid, is the best way. I mean, look, they gave Nicholas Latifi a very long rope, longer than I think an average driver of his capability would. They gave him three seasons, um, and Latifi never really improved um, in, in the. I mean, it improved a little bit, but not by enough to justify keeping him. Uh, I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I think a little bit of that was unfair when George Russell was there, because we all know George Russell is a fantastic racing driver. Yeah. But, then, but then when Alex Albon, who was, you know, not, his stock wasn't the highest when he went to Williams. No. I don't think his stock could have been lower given what had happened at Red Bull up against Max. Yeah, and Albon was pretty damn good last year given what he was given i mean look the best way i could describe alex albon is if you didn't know any better and the number 63 was painted on his car would you think that was still george russell in there no, pr- i've seen enough from alex albon to think he's been a great successor to what george russell was and he should get another crack at another team if williams doesn't have upward mobility anytime soon if sure. nothing else i just want them to have more point scoring opportunities so that my partner, who was a Williams fan, through discovery of the sport at the time where they've been entrenched as the fallen giants of the sport, I just want my partner to be happy. <laughs> outside of outside of really low drag tracks, uh, I'm not sure about that one, Chief. Do you, th- do you think they crack double-digit points? No. No. 
No, definitely they got, not. They got eight last year, and if you throw out Belgium 2021, they got 13 in 2021. I mean, my bigger thing is that they're a team who's starting off from the bottom, and they just lost their technical director. Yeah, that this is, is never a recipe for success. I mean, yeah. if, they can, if they can get someone quality in during the year who can maybe look look over the processes there, maybe. But who's who's shopping? Who's shopping Williams right now? Yeah, it's like it's not a desirable place to be. Although Claire is back with them, funnily enough. Only no, nope, no, nope. she is with the team. engineering arm, which of course is no longer related to the F one team. because Williams sold pretty much everything but the family silver Um, yeah yeah, it's not great and and, and like I said I think they've actually done a really good job Williams of not having people talk about how much of a mess it is behind the scenes they've done a pretty good job of keeping that under wraps but this is a team that I think is going to still be at the bottom by the time it's all said and done I'm with Cam I don't think they get to double digit points and I think they're going to struggle but I, I do hope Albon's able to shine on rare occasions. And I, I, if Logan doesn't get embarrassed, that's a decent rookie season, as far as I'm concerned. When you're yeah. in the worst car in the field, the, the the aim should be don't embarrass yourself. Basically. Also, also, I know, I, I know, and I'm upset that Colton Herta didn't get an F1 opportunity. But people are saying that like Logan Sargent isn't really American, dude. He's from Florida, and his family's so deep into like Trump MAGA bullshit that mm. that it's just like spewing out of every pore. What's more toxic Americana than that? <laughs> Truly, it's the way. This next one's going to tear me apart. It's Alphatari Honda. Uh, it's Yuki Tsunoda who finished 17th in the championship next year. Next to Nick DeVries, who is a full season rookie, finished 21st in the championship off the of back of a ninth place finish and is so far one and only F1 start. But if you've read the news recently, times may be coming to a very, very abrupt end for the team. That has effectively been Red Bull's junior team. Yeah. Now, for those who haven't read the story, because this this broke during day three of testing, um, it was a it was reported originally in AUMS. So full credit to them, but they reported that apparently Red Bull management is considering either selling up or relocating the team. They are a little bit fed up of AlphaTauri. They finished ninth, which was their joint worst ever season um, since they bought the team in two thousand and I want to say it was two thousand and eight. They bought them out two thousand five. Uh, two thousand five, even yeah. earlier than that. Um, it was their worst ever or joint worst ever season since. Rebel own them, and well, I I was you know I had people I had mates on the ground at the race who was asking around AlphaTauri when the story broke. They they were blindsided by this story. They had no idea this was coming. Franz Tost pretty much gave them the no comment treatment. Um, AlphaTauri's denied this story, but Helmut Marco, when asked about it, didn't exactly deny it. He basically he, said... He said it's up to the Red Bull shareholders, because remember, Red mm. Bull is under new management. Not yeah. the race team, but the actual company itself. Yeah, because Dietrich's yeah. no longer here. Um, and to be fair, that was a story that was first rumored when Dietrich passed away at the end, towards the end of last year. Well, what does this mean for AlphaTauri? Like, um, are they, like, Basically, the rumor is is that they feel like the marketing potential of the second team is no longer justifiable against 
the running costs. And, and this is not, it's also not justifiable when the AlphaTauri fashion line that it's based off of is just not selling money for, for how expensive their product is. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I wrote about the story for WTF1 and I literally joked in the second to last line, maybe they can, maybe if they sell it, they can flog some of those 300 pound jumpers. Um, and that pretty much overshadowed everything that dominated their testing tool, which to be honest, wasn't much in the first place. They got, a, they, was... they, got they got the most running in, you know, so we can give them, we can call them the distance champions of preseason testing, if that means anything. Does um, it matter how much distance you're covering if you're covering it slowly? Yeah. Probably not. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they look better on the final day of testing, definitely. Mm. <clears throat> Sonoda was top well, 10. Sonoda was top 10 on what appeared to be, you know, corrected for fuel and tires, everything was okay but it's still a little bit odd to me with as we'll talk about later red red bull in such a position of technical excellence and alpha tari with whom they share their honda power units mm. their rear suspension and their gearbox other than the the ramp side pods they really don't share much with red bull and plowing their own path is not working this car is not that fast um Last year, as Dre said, ninth in the Constructors' Championship. I think they're a little better than that this year, but not a lot better. There's been... I, yeah, go, go on, D first. I don't want to get into hyperbole. I don't want to get into exaggeration and sensationalism. I realize the romance isn't the same when Paul Soddard sold the team that Giancarlo Minardi founded to Dietrich Matisitz, but... To me, I think Formula One without a team based in Fianza, potentially in the near future, is a sport that is dead to me, that I have mm. no interest in, and I have no love for. <laughs> you, uh, are the, you are the minority man, RJ. You look at, look at the man. flag on my, uh, as, as podcasting is a very visual medium, uh, the flag that's on the back wall of my yes. office. That's my team. I will be sad if they leave, because like, the alternative is li- like, relocate them close to Red Bull headquarters. And that is not good from a sporting perspective to just have. It's already kind of sketchy enough that one entity owns two teams and now they could potentially be. That will be a political. If they end up both operating out of Milton Keynes, that's going to be a political war zone. Well, they've already got over 100 staff pretty much there in the UK as it is. And they they, they use Red Bull's wind tunnel. They use their run. They use their wind tunnel. They they have their aero department in Bishopstead, just down the road from Milton Keynes, where the Red Bull factory team is. Like, basically, totally not totally not sus at all. No, like, and yeah. I, I've I've asked around, and everyone that I know who knows more than me about this says a relocation is just not feasible. So it's it's going to be a matter of are they going to sell this team or not? And well, they've got oh. options. They've got the. We all know that Michael Andretti has probably just entered the chat, poking his head over the parapet, going, "Did you say buy a team?" Um, and yeah, that's and right. I, if Andretti buys this, everybody gets to get their cake, eat it, and then come back for seconds. Because yeah, we all except, know Formula One is the kids. Yeah, except for the fact that it has come out in the last couple of days that F1 wants to crank the dilu- anti-dilution fee to a minimum. A minimum of six hundred million dollars, with some throwing around a figure of over a billion dollars just to enter the sport. But they're yeah, not going to have to worry about that if they're just buying an existing tenth team rather than trying to start. But they will if Red Bull. But they will if Red Bull decides that that's the cost they want to sell the team for. 
Yeah, because all the, if the, if they're going to set an, an an anti delusion fee of six hundred million euros, what do you think Red Bull's going to sell the team at, knowing that's the cost of entry? Otherwise, they basically have Andretti over a barrel at that point. Like it's it's political bargaining one hundred and one. Then right? let's look at the other options. You ha- the other options are high tech GP. There's there's the Indi- the owners of Mumbai Falcons racing team. It's a team based out of India. And before people start rolling their eyes about another potential vaporware team from Asia, they have a strong working relationship with the team you might know better, and that's called Prima. Mm-hmm. And Honda and Porsche have already ruled it out. The, like Prima's been sniffing around the possibility of an F1 team for years. This might be their opportunity, especially knowing that running an F1 team is now as cheap as it's been in decades. And it's only going to come down even further with if the cost cap era that we're now in. Like that, that cap is slowly coming down. It's $135 million this season. It's going down to $130 next year. Um, so it's slowly coming down. Um, and that might be the, the is it's the best opportunity Prima's got to potentially have an F1 team. And India has no problem throwing their money around in sports lately. But any cricket fans out there, the women's Premier League of Cricket went for basically half a billion dollars for women's cricket. (laughs) Like, if women's cricket is going for half a billion in India, they've got money to throw around the potential sports franchises, and an an F1 team would be a very desirable option for a country that wants to to install itself on the world stage because they've already got basically a third of the men's cricket game with the IPL as it is. And like people that don't even know cricket know what the IPL is. Like, you know, it's crazy money we're talking over here. Even I know what the IPL is. I don't don't follow it that closely, but it's pretty good. Look, I, I like all of the potential interested parties. Like, yeah, it would have been cool if Honda were to just buy the team wholesale, but they're, they're not interested in that. Um, Formula One obviously has no desire to expand because they're anti-competitive, but you know they would like to keep it at ten teams because, like, if if they're willing to call one constructor, who's that's on the chopping block to make it even? But mm. I want to bring it back to the present, uh, the actual team that we have in 2023. And you know me, I love and rate Yuki Tsunoda very highly as a character, as a personality, as a driver who has the potential. It's weird that he's in his second straight make or break year. Against a driver and Nick DeBreeze, who it's hard to place him as a benchmark, right? Because on the one hand, you can look at him as a slowly developed prospect who got lucky when he won the FE title. He got lucky when he made his F1 debut at Monza. And on the other hand, you could look at him like this is a guy who's won multiple single seater championships and is finally getting the opportunities talents deserve. The only shortcoming he has is not as proven as Pierre Gasly is. Uh, to counter that, either Yuki improves big this year, or he's toast. Well, this is in it. my book. Like, like, like last year, he was last year he had three or four big point scoring finishes, basically robbed of him through shenanigans. I mean, the big one for me yeah. is Baku, where his rear wing tore itself apart. Mm-hmm. But there was still way too many of the classic Yuki Tsunoda overdriving straight into a wall mistakes. I he is so fast when he gets his shit together. He's got he's got to have a little more polish this year. Nick DeVries I don't expect anything out of. Because I other than that I hope he's not other than that one you. other than that one performance that he had last year in the Williams. I mean in Formula E he got 
he got Hulk ragdolled by Stoffel Van Dorn and mm-hmm. nobody was giving Van Dorn a seat. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one because Nick DeFreeze is a, is like a hard yardstick to evaluate because there's an argument for him being there and there's an argument you can make for him not being there and he doesn't fit the conventional rookie that comes into the sport like he normally does. And then this is but this is also year 3 for Yuki Tsunoda and Sonoda's had two years. I don't think either of them were particularly impressive. Um, and we all know there's that flashes. Like, there's, there's flashes. flashes. There's, there's talent there. I'm not disputing that with Sonoda yeah. at all. But he has to start putting this together more consistently because now Red Bull have got their ducks lined up in a row. They've got Academy firepower again now. Like well, they've not g- just that. Mm. He's on borrowed time because they're not going to be with Honda in three years. Yeah. Like he has no placement within the Red Bull within the Red Bull family three years from now. And that's if and that's if Red Bull doesn't sell the goddamn team. Like it could be an even shorter leash than that, depending on what happens with them from an ownership standpoint. But even then, they've got Liam Lawson back there, they've got Isaac Hadger back there, Dennis Hauger is a possibility. They can Zane drop Maloney they can plug and play a Lu a Yulu Iwasa if they just feel like, yes, we would love to have another Japanese driver because this one isn't cutting it. Yeah, they've but got again, plan B ready to go. But again, they have no other than using that. Like they're partners with Honda for the next two years, not as much as they should be because Honda's last CEO was not very smart. Mm. Um, you know, Iwasa has no real placing in there either, not long term anyway. And that's best case scenario because again, they might sell this team. They want to sell this team. Yeah, like I mean, if if they want to sell now is the best time they can possibly sell with the sport having an inflated value, with a dilution fee that's set to go up. And but don't but don't bias. but don't speak it that it's inflated out in the open. No, then you get in trouble. Can't yeah, you'll do get, that. You'll get dog yeah, so good luck, good luck to them on that one. I certainly think there's buyers, and I certainly think there is a market for them to sell if Red Bull wants to move on. Please keep um, the team in Fianza. Keep one of your bases in Fianza. You can have one in another country. Just keep one if, where it should be. If I were to place them in current running, I would probably put them eighth or ninth. I put them eighth. Yeah, I, I, I still, a, I still got them ninth. It's a typical, it's a typical minority slash Toro Rosso slash Alphatari series. See what. You know what you're getting out of Alphatari. No, no, it isn't. RJ ninth is their joint worst ever result. Yeah, the last time they had the, the, a season when they were ninth, Brendan Hartley was still driving for them. They were throwing <laughs> hands with Ferrari and McLaren two years ago. Yeah, not ideal. Right, let's get into the other um, fun team down the bottom. It's the new MoneyGram Has F1 team. Yes, they have a new big name title sponsor um, from uh, from MoneyGram and a new lineup. I.e., Kevin Magnussen is still in the number twenty car. He was thirteenth last season, and Hulkenback, baby, the number twenty. Hulkenback. Nico Hulkenberg makes his second comeback into Formula One, I suppose. It's his his full-time return. He was 22nd last year off the back of a couple of non-scoring results in Mm. relief of Sebastian Vettel. But first full season, good health willing, in three years, and you know, you just gotta hand it to him. Nico Hulkenberg looks like he never missed a start out there. Honestly, I don't pity Mick anymore. I don't feel sorry for him because these guys so good on that Mercedes pit wall. (laughs) He's going to get that Esteban Ocon rebound. 
it, it, it's it's that I, I still remember when Bamani Jones used to work for SB Nation before he became a huge God, star. Remember when SB Nation was still like a healthy enterprise before Vots ruined it? I know, crazy. But I distinctively remember like like the five most criticized players on an NFL team video that Bamani Jones did, and one of them was. So let me get this straight: you're Tom Brady's intern slash apprentice. And he gets paid for it. Like, don't feel, <laughs> don't feel sorry for Mick Schumacher. He'll be fine. Like, I'm um, bummed that he doesn't have a seat, but like, he's in a good spot. Indeed. So we've got Hulkenberg and Magnuson here. And my key question for them was, can you silence the doubters? And I say that, well, Haas are in a strange place. The good news, they got a big new title sponsor in MoneyGram, and by their own words and Gunther's own words, when he's not on Drive to Survive swearing and making a big brand out of himself, they'll be able to spend up to the $135 million cap for the first time as a team ever. That's good. Can't complain about that. That's genuinely good, because yeah. uh, in recent years, there has never been a development race that Haas has not, wanted, has not been able to lose because yeah. of their lack of I resources. don't think that I'll explain why I don't think that's going to change much this year, though. Indeed. The bad news is public faith has probably never been lower in this team. The gloss of them being America's only F1 team was already wearing Finn with Andretti sniffing around as, as early as last year. And then you abandoned the youth driver movement to bring back a 35-year-old Nico Hulkenberg over the ultra-popular Mick Schumacher, who was made to be an idiot on Drive to Survive for no good reason. Um, good luck with that. Um, the audience saw right through that one, by the way. Again, um, Mick's in a much better position now. He's great. No, he's no he's totally fine. Exactly. I mean, that, that Merck's canteen money. Hmm. But uh, they, they have a solid, experienced veteran lineup again. They have money, even if they're still the smallest team on sheer resources. But I feel like they're running out of excuses. And why is Gunther Steiner one of the safest seats in the whole series? Netflix numbers? Somebody help me out here. <laughs> that uh, brand equity. Um, who else are they going to get? Who else are they going to get to run? Mattia Bonotto. Oh God! Oh, oh wait. Now I, I would watch. Uh, I would watch a series of Mattia and Gunter driving around Italy solving crimes in a Fiat Five Hundred. But it's the same old story with Haas. They but it's look- not the same old story because Nico Hulkenberg brings those veteran presents that he bought at the Dubai Duty Free Shop at Terminal 3. Ugh. Yeah, and he looked real solid during the test because Nico yeah. Hulkenberg probably shouldn't have lost his seat in the first place in this sport. Agreed. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure uh, year 27 of the five-year plan at uh, – whatever brand they're badging it now in France is going real well. We'll get to um, that. Haas looked solid they during did. the preseason test. Yeah. Um, first two days, not great. Kind of just skating around on track. Last day, they seemed to kind of unlock something with the car, and generally, it's well detailed, as t- Haas's usually are when they go into the season. Um, really cribs a lot of last year's Ferrari, which you'd expect given their technical partnership. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not an exact copy, but very similar. But on track, they look good. They got good mileage with both drivers. Here's the problem with Haas. Because of the way their technical department is structured, where basically they contract every, they design everything that Ferrari doesn't design, and then they contract that out to Delara. That's fine, except it makes your lead time so damn long for everything 
that if you need to make upgrades and you need to do a development push, your whole schedule is backordered. Mm. You can't make a development push because you're relying on another company to manufacture and quality test your parts. And so I expect this year is going to be much more of the same where Haas starts off pretty well. I don't think they're going to start off as well as they did last year, given how much time they dumped into last year's car. Mm. And I expect them to fall away the exact same did as ways they do every year in the sport. Yeah. They started with a car that was arguably best of the midfield and it ended with a car that barely clung to eighth in the table. And that's because they have never shown they've had the resources to keep up in a development race with a car that was entirely legal at every round. 2018 was a great <laughs> season, but they did run into some hot water there. So yeah, like, like until the amount of money, to- the amount of money they have is inconsequential on that front. Mm. So just like last year, if there are opportunities that you have to score points early this season, because we, I don't I don't dislike Madison and Hulkenberg together. I do think it's funny that they're together for the first place. Hashtag team suck my balls. But whatever, <laughs> whatever opportunities you have to score points, don't waste them. Yeah, you're not sure. You may not get many more later on the year. RJ, I think my record player is broken because I hear this every fucking year with this team. It's yeah. 2016. You know, it's 2019. Last year, Mick, bless his heart, did not score points until Britain. And then he scored in Austria. Those are the only two times he scored points. They scored a sum total of two points as a team from France onward. Mick Schumacher got better as the season went on, and by then the car had gotten worse. Yeah, I, I, that's yeah. that. I think is the biggest problem. I think they're not. They aren't starting as strongly as they would last year. And man, I, as much as I do rate Hulkenberg, and I rate Magnussen, neither of them should have lost their seats in the first place in the sport. And I'm happy they're both back. Not really an inspired driver lineup. No, I don't. I don't. I also don't like it from Hulkenberg's perspective because it's like. We all know what he's what he's seeking, and I don't think he's going to get it out of this. If if he somehow managed to get a podium in this car, <laughs> for, for the cars for the cars that he has had at his disposal, um, and, and don't get me wrong, he's never had a race winning car except for that one day in Brazil that ended in tears. Oh, but. Come on. Oh, that's if, if you got a podium in this Haas, that is one hell of a grab. I, 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 I'll be startled because Haas has never had a podium finish since they came into F1 as back in 2015. So they were, they were best of the rest in 2018 to start the year before, you know, finger trouble creeped in at the first race. Yeah, it's like long story short, because I think Cam and RJ has covered pretty much everything I wanted to say. This is I, I'm not falling for the honey trap of Haas again this year. They 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 have a knack of starting the year strong and then fading as the year goes on. I'm not falling for that again. They're probably going to end up seventh or eighth again, um, mostly because they'll score all of their points at the front half of the year again, and then they'll probably just fade in the second half. And which I mean, not suck. just front half, Dre. I mean, last year they were upper midfield for four races. And then the bottom fell out. And that was devoting basically a year and a half just purely into 2022 development. Mm. 
they're all in and it didn't really work out for him in that sense. So let's see how Haas cracks on in 2023. Next up, the... Uh, Your the, favorite I, team, Trey. The Aston Martin 15 sponsors Formula One team. Um, Cognizant, Aramco, uh, friends at Aramco, F1 team, etc. Um, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Um, and and un, like, under new lead driver management, we'll get to in a minute, because Aston Martin had a complicated test. In the 18, Lance Stroll again, who was 15th in the championship last year. He is now joined by number 14. Yes, that number 14, Fernando Alonso. He was ninth at Alpine last year and one of the stronger drivers of the whole season, I would argue. Now, here's the thing. Two days before testing, Lance Stroll injures himself in Malaga in a biking accident. We don't still know the exact details regarding this because Aston Martin have been extremely tight-lipped about what exactly the injury curtails. Rumor has it it's he might have broken both his wrists. Um, apparently, that's something that Chloe, his sister's husband apparently may have leaked out on social media and then quickly deleted because the internet are a bunch of fucking cops um so allegedly it's a it's a wrist injury he is apparently touch and go he skipped the whole preseason test he was felipe drogovic filled in instead as of the time of recording we don't know who will be driving the second aston martin in bahrain they're apparently going to give lance stroll every chance to recover and take his seat. But if he's not able to do that, Felipe Drogovic will fill in, um, at least temporarily, for the opening round. And you may remember Felipe Drogovic as last year's Formula 2 champion. Um, so, yeah, safe to say, Aston Martin's had a newsworthy mm-hmm. week or so. There was even rumors that Sebastian Vettel might be coming out of retirement for race number 300. <sighs> uh, okay. To put to pour some cold water on that, sadly, he's not coming back. No. Um, because but it only really got as far as it did because someone asked the question and they were so cagey about the whole situation that they didn't even rule that out. Um, all I have to say after watching Aston Martin's preseason is that what the fuck? They're damn good. Yeah, Aston Where is Martin. This no, 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 no. Aston Martin really fucked around. They spent all of 20, you know, they copied Mercedes car verbatim in 2020 so they could devote everything into the new regulations. Then they did it again in 21 when those regulations got delayed. And they produced a complete boat anchor of a car. A car so atrocious that they had to reset the entire design going into Spain. The Green Bull. The Green Bull. You drove Sebastian Vettel into retirement with your lack of progress. Yeah, there's no getting around that. So now you make the jump. That's right, Fernando Alonso. That we've busted the narrative that all this dude knows how to do is make terrible career decisions. Now you make the jump. Aston Martin might just have something. Aston Martin might just have something for the top three in this sport. Do you think I was expecting to say that before preseason testing? I know I sure as shit wasn't. <laughs> that Get car looks glued. Yeah, that look. car looks glued to the ground. It's a bullet in a straight line. It stops. It turns. Yeah, other than it being the first stoppage of the test, which that was funny. Bruh, bruh. we got nine, we got our first. In. We always love our first sad driver staring at their car from the side of the road picture of the year yeah 
That was nine minutes in, Felipe Drogovic's car died on their first lap of the test due to an electronics failure. Um, yeah, they, look. They, 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 took, they took Red Bull's arrow chief and they might have actually brought something here. Dan Fallows. Remember yeah. that name. Yeah, it took, they took Dan Fallows and I, I said on WTF1's YouTube channel, anyone that comes out of the camp of Newey probably knows what they're doing. Um, and yeah, like this is his first real car he's been able to influence properly and it looks damn good. I can only echo everything that Cam has said. They were probably the most upward swinging team to come out of this test in terms of oh, by a mile. four of them coming oh, in. Oh, it's not close. They were the biggest winners, comfortably. Like... I know for a fact I was what I watched almost all twenty five hours of test or twenty five and a half hours of testing because I even to, I'm not that hardy. I had to. It was, part of, it, was, it, was it was part of the main job. But um, I was going to say I was up at insane hours of the day with you in the WTF one chat Switch yeah, channel chat. Yeah, yeah, I, I was in charge of. That. I was in there for nine and a half sodding hours. Do, I, do I, was not just, ask, I was just jet lagged. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was, a, it was a weird time, but in. In the coverage, they had people like Jack Dewan in the commentary box, and he was complimenting his rival team at how well planted the Aston Martin looked out there. Alonso was pushing; he was one of the fastest dudes on two of the three days. Um, they were, you could already well, see, well, Andre, were, yeah, like Alonso. Alonso was getting lap time out of the car, and we know what Fernando Alonso looks like behind the wheel when he is just in his bag. Mm. having mm. to wring a car's neck and even like he wasn't really having to wring its neck and the lap time was coming their long run pace looks devastating yeah it's really really it's top tier uh, team uh, level uh, strong and, and don't get me wrong we're, we're all gonna tap the sign right now don't read into preseason testing times don't give me hope I, i'm not giving our I, we're giving rj hope he can't stop this but it's it, it's the eye test yeah. And it's when you correct everything around for conditions and tires and fuel, the Aston looks really good. Not, I wouldn't say there's a lot of people out there saying it looks better than the, the, the now carbon arrow, the Mercedes. I'm not going to go that far on it. No. Uh, not yet. But I will say, judging by how everyone looks right now, it almost feels like they've completely jumped the midfield. They could be like, top four. Like, like a distant fourth. Like, Almost like kind of like where Mercedes was in 2011, if you watch that season, where they're way faster than everyone behind them, but they don't have enough to challenge those ahead of them. On long run pace, they might give Mercedes something to think about. Probably not over a lap, though. I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, and I, I still think Merckx will obviously outdevelop them as the year goes on. You'd hope so. You'd think so. But, I mean, Aston Martin could be fourth, which already would be a huge gain on where they were last year in seventh. That would be... If they could finish fourth, like, they that would be an incredibly positive season for Aston Martin. They didn't Martin. wake up until about a quarter of the way into the season. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a hell of a turn turnaround. Let's put, this, let's put it to you this way. I spoke to Martin Brundle about this... In our WTF1 interview, he said he thinks there's an outside chance as like Fernando could get multiple podiums. I think I think this team is well poised to get the shit post race win of the year. I yes. really do. I think you they know, are. Don't don't do this. And because and because he's a Fernando Alonso fan, watch it be Lance Stroll who gets that win. I, I honestly wouldn't be upset because I've been waiting to see something out of Lance Stroll for the last couple of years, like. I rated this Definitely. dude higher than most, but like it's clear that like he's become complacent. 
And now he's hurt to start the season. I am content with Fernando Alonso's final Formula One victory being that four stopper in Spain in 2013. Don't give me hope. Don't give me you're, hope. You're, you're, you're gonna get this. You're gonna get this race of the decade contender win. I'm gonna drink the. I'm gonna drink the green absinthe that's uh, that's in the mini the fridge. Green uh, lean. <laughs> green, green lean, baby. Lean. Um, yeah, there is hope in the Aston Martin camp, and that is already a very good sign for Aston Martin. Even they haven't had that since the days of Racing Point, back when the car was pink. Yeah, back when the car was uh, a pink Mercedes. I mean. Last year, they really could not have had a worse preseason test if they tried. Yeah. Um, because they, too, were just drowning in porpoising problems. All that effort, all of that development went into a car that just didn't work in real life. Mm-hmm. Remember that. It becomes important later for a team that shares their engine and gearbox. Yeah. Um, this is so, so different. Yeah. There's some, hope different. In, there's, some, there's, there's some hope in that camp. Let's get into I, I, don't, I don't have to lean on the possibility of Alonzo and Stroll uh, fighting over each, fighting one another for for Lawrence Stroll's affections. Yeah, you might, a, that's you a might just you mm-hmm. might just possibly. Mm-hmm. possibly. Is Alfa Romeo possibly the hardest team to benchmark? Could quite possible. They are in a strange place right now. Let's catch you up on them. Um, of course, it's an unchanged lineup. Joe Guan Yu returns. He was 18th in the championship last year in the 24 car. Valtteri Bottas in the 77. He was 10th overall last year. My key question I had written down for them, besides the crossed out Audi Sauber Technologies line here, was that <laughs> 2022 trick might not work again. What's plan B? And I say this because, well, Alfa Romeo had a clear game plan last season, and that was be the only team on the grid that actually hit the minimum weight when the season started and cash in on points early. And it worked. Valtteri Bottas was excellent the first third of the year, racked up about 50 points on his own, um, and then they were able to hold on all the way till the end of the year and finish sixth in the championship. Their best season since 2012, back when Kamui Kobayashi and Sergio Perez was this team's lineup. Back when Sergio Perez was throwing haymakers at Fernando Alonso for race wins. Oh, yeah. that was such that was such a good time. That was pro- such a good time. I didn't even mind the Chelsea badge on the car. The problem, that, is, yeah, the uh, problem is, is that they were dreadful in the second half of the season. Yeah. Dre, hit him with the line. After the Canadian Grand Prix, which I think was the eighth round of 2022, they were the worst team in Formula One, scoring only three points for the rest of the year. Even yeah. Williams managed four uh, in that time period. So um, not good is, is what no. I would say in response to that. Um, so they, they can make a case that they might, on current form, be the worst team in Formula One. It's wild, to say the least. So... This is where we're at now with with Alfa Romeo, and their test wasn't particularly great. I mean, okay, their got test me- was weird. I actually I didn't write anything for the set list for them because I couldn't think of what to write. Yeah, it was weird. They had the fastest time on day two, but that was clearly a Zhou Guanyu vanity run on a C5 tire right at the end of the day. So it was a couple hundredths clear of Max on two steps of tire offset. Yeah, it was a C5 run, which was a bit weird to say the least. And then they also had two failures over the course of the test. An engine, a power unit failure at the end of day two, and then three. And uh, yeah, a haunts. Uh, we, we weren't going to mention a haunts on this show now, were we? And then the other one was, uh, it seemed like a gearbox failure on Valtteri Bottas's car right before lunchtime on day three. Oh no, that, that was the power unit failure. That was the power unit failure. Okay, my apologies. Uh, thanks for correcting me. So 
Alfa Romeo's test was all over the place, to say the least. Um, because, like, on the last day, tire corrected, you know, they bolted on some C4s, sent it out because everyone was running uh, quick times late on. Mm-hmm. And they were okay. They were they were a, f- a few tenths off of um, kind of those you would expect, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. We don't know how much fuel they were carrying. We don't know what the engine was turned to. My big concern is that, well, the Alpha was boinging more than any other car at the test. They were mm. suffering for some ferocious porpoising at some sections of the track. More than the Alpine, even. More than the Alpine. The Alpine, they, they seem to get it under control during the test, and we know Alpine have a big car change. More on that a little bit. Mm. Um. I'm just concerned that much like la- like last year, they were on the weight limit. They basically got lucky that they were the only ones who nailed the weight limit because their aerodynamics were dreadful. Yeah. Um, and they once that weight limit advantage went away, they were getting just beaten 10 ways to Sunday by everyone around them. Yeah. Now, there were some points left on the table due to Ferrari haunting it with their power units. But you could say that for Haas as well. Yes. Um, You could say it for Ferrari as well. So it's hard for me to really look at them and think of where to actually place them, because when you look at the good aspects of their test, they could be mixing it up for, I don't know, fifth with Alpine, maybe with uh, Haas as well. Otherwise, I could put them as low as ninth. Yeah. Which is, I think, probably a, a fair yardstick of where the team was towards the end of last season. So again, I don't know where to put them right now, and that's probably the Alfa Romeo are probably the most mysterious team in the field right now. And we all still know about the 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 the, the cloud of Audi hanging over this team, given they're three years away from fully owning this team. They've already yeah, bought this is this is the well. last season of the Alfa Romeo deal. We don't yes. know if it's the last deal, the stake deal. Stake.com, bring you all the vices and terribleness of sports betting, all with the terribleness of crypto in one package. This is the Formula One sponsorship equivalent of Waterworld on the Virtual Boy. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a weird one. <laughs> I, I don't normally plug people on this show very often, but I'm going to give a plug here. Lila Oaks, who you may know from the website Decal Spotters, set up her own YouTube channel um, called Are You Ready Boots? Yes, it's based off that MotoGP intro from years past. Do check it out. She did a fantastic job breaking down the nuances of the stake deal and why they got accusations of being a Ponzi scheme. So do check it out. It is well worth a watch. Trey, you say that, but you seem to shout out someone on every one of these episodes these days. <clears throat> Not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> we, we, we shout out our friends. They make good content. We Look, make good yeah, content. Alpha- and yeah, I, I, there is enough room on this table for everybody to eat good. That's what I always tell people. Unfortunately, not enough for Alpha to eat good. I mean, the thing is, Audi is going to fund them basically up to the cost cap this year. They're going to be flush with cash. Yes. That is no longer a concern. Yes. They also got on Andreas Seidel from the next team we're going to talk about. And Andreas Seidel. One of the best. What else can you say? One of the best team principals in all of motorsport. Yeah. I like Andreas Seidel. Yeah, I like him a lot. Wonderful to sit in with in media sessions. I think he's going to do wonders for this team. 
him uh, him, him snicker him violently snickering under his breath as toto complained about the porpoising and dts oh, great beautiful. content beautiful no look like they lost fred vassar we all know where he went fred vassar is again one of the good team principals in f1 one of the well respected dudes in this sport Slider was the perfect replacement as far as like, and they, uh, they've struck gold by being able to get him into their team, given where Alfa Romeo are at and to have him as CEO is huge. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. They haven't really got a team principal as such. Uh, Alessandro uh, Luni Bravi is going to be their team representative. It's a weird structure, Alfa Romeo, but they've got good people there. They're going to have cash. Let's see what Alfa Romeo gets up to. Cause that's going to be the hardest team to place. I think this season at the moment, should we yeah. talk about McLaren? <laughs> well, I first, oh, first want to talk about the drivers at AlphaTauri because, like, we kind of skimmed over it, but, like, mm. Valtteri Bottas. Alfa Romeo. Yeah. yeah. Alfa Romeo. There's too many alphas on the grid there, now. There's way too many. We, we just have too many alpha males on this grid. <laughs> yeah, uh, there it is. Joe, we love Joe Guan Yu, the drip god, but he really needs to take a step up. Uh, uh, no shit. He had a he had solid but unspectacular rookie year. That's fine need to see more. Valtteri Bottas has been about as good as you can expect, but he will be coming up to his twilight year soon. That's what worries me. Yeah. He's got to keep he's got to keep performing and put himself in the window to try uh, hopefully get retained by Audi in his case. I was going to say be good enough that Audi can't afford to drop you. That that's that might be hard given he's getting up there in age and the the car isn't great at the moment. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays now out. Now we can talk about McLaren. This is oh, where boy. this is where our household right, um, is going to get torn apart. All right, uh, put on your sanitation gear, get on your hazmat suits. This is going to be fun. Uh, McLaren, um, a new lineup to a degree. Number four, like Lando Norris sticks around in the number four car. He was seventh in the championship and best of the rest last year. All reliable. All reliable, which is weird to say about a 23-year-old, but here we are. Um, and in the number 81 car, replacing Daniel Ricciardo, it's one Australian for another. It's Oscar Piastri, um, the 2021 Formula 2 champion who sat out a year and uh, got Mark Webber to tell him to piss off from an Alpine deal that was pretty much guaranteed and locked in, causing the viral F1 moment of 2022. Way to go, fellas. Um, but my key question I put written in here was, is your house actually in order? Because um, McLaren no. had arguably the worst test of anybody. I wouldn't even I say, wouldn't even say was, there is no argument. There is. There, I'm not debating you. I'm laughing at you. Yeah, McLaren had the worst test in the field, and basically they've been down publicly since down the car horrendous. Launch. Yeah, basically, like, if you didn't see the car launch, everybody there was subdued. And on day two of the test, Zach Brown openly said to the media that they missed their development targets going into this season. Dude, and- Will Buxton made an offhanded joke about a missing panel on the wall, and it's like, and he was, it was jokingly suggesting, like, Haha, uh, must Lando must have punched a hole in the wall, and people believe that shit. Yeah, it was just about possible enough to make it believable because the the biggest viral picture of the test was Lando Norris looking miserable as his car's brake ducts were being taken apart on day one. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's let's give us a breakdown of this, and I think it very much coincides with Andreas Seidel getting the f out of Dodge. 
Yeah, like it's a weird um, one because he said he was always going to take the Audi gig if it became available, and then Zach Brown was like, "Well, you might as well go now, then." Basically, and they've brought in Andrea Stella to replace him because he was basically an oven-ready replacement. Um, and Andrea right. Stella pretty much admitted, Cam, during day two of the test, that what happened to the 2023 MCL 60. <laughs> well, uh, oh, yikes. McLaren abandoned this car three months in the wind tunnel because they knew it was a dud. Yeah. Uh, and it is. It uh, it doesn't turn. It burns out the tires. It's draggy as all hell in a straight line, carrying over one of the big weaknesses from last year's car. And uh, as the cherry on top, they had constant issues of reliability with the uh, the the wheel brows, the bodywork that curls up over the front tires um delaminating to the point they were basically having to glue their front brake duct assembly back together every couple of hours during all three days of the test they which contributed to mclaren having the lowest lap count of any other team yeah but besides that it was great Um, (laughs) like the the technical rot that has been ravaging mclaren basically for a decade now it, it it feels like it is festering out of control because mm. this is the second year in a row they've had a cataclysmic preseason test and the second year in a row where it looks like they've missed pretty much all of their development targets. I mean, it's one thing if it, look, we know McLaren is kind of treading water until they get their new wind tunnel up and running. Mm. That's like basic manufacturing fuck ups that are causing them to just lose miles, lose time. And even when the car is out on track, it just looks piss poor. And let's not forget, even before we talk about how bad their test was, this was not, I think this has been a team Look, McLaren are ultra popular. They have a very cult following amongst Formula One fans. Their fans are very hardcore. They love the papaya. Um, I think they've done a very good job of keeping it in terms of damage control about what this team has gone through. Let's not forget, they sold a third of their team off in in, in the last 12 months. Zach Brown is openly shopping for power unit manufacturers for 2026 because it's pretty clear he's not happy with Mercedes to the point where he visited Red Bull earlier this like 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 literally last week he was hey, in hey, Milton. Could you could you imagine after, you know, Last year's whole scandal with the cost cap where it looked like Zach Brown was just about to explode. Yeah. Sitting next to Christian Horner. Yeah, I was at that press conference. That's the closest thing I've ever seen to two middle-aged men throw hands at a Formula One press conference. Zach Brown wrote an open letter to the to the sport saying throw the fucking book at them. And now he's in Milton Keynes talking about potentially taking on Ford power units in 2026. They were talking about getting back in bed with Honda. Yeah, this Which is, is amazing honest- because the last time we talked about cuffing season, Oscar Piastri was a principal character in that. I know. Oh my god! Full circle. Um, well, at least this time I didn't get my dick stuck in a DRS wing. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, look, McLaren are—they're rotting on the vine. Yeah, and look- I think that until they get their BC, they, they, they plan a full B spec revision of the car for Baku round four. Mm-hmm. Until that comes in, in I don't see that. I don't see them beating anyone bar Williams. I think they're the second worst team in the sport, uh, and they I, better hope 
that that revision to the car, they knock it out of the park because Look, McLaren has been yeah. missing. What has McLaren done impressively on a technical level since 21 when they had a quick car in a straight line and happened to luck into Max Verstappen landing on Lewis Hamilton's head? They, they, they got lucky on that one. It happens. I mean, this is also a team that sold a third of itself off. This is a team that's scrapping, uh, scrapping around for power units for 2026. This is a team that also had to lay off a thousand members of staff working for them when the pandemic hit and refused to furlough anybody when the pandemic landed and the world stopped turning. This is a team that is in not as good a shape as people think it is, right? And not on, on, on top of that, it's it's not going to get any better anytime soon because who is spending £200,000 in this country in the middle of a cost of living crisis on a fucking McLaren? Um, um, and then Daniel Ricciardo, they had to pay £21 million to fuck off um, a year out of contract. So this is not a good team right now. And and, and, like- and Dre, you need to remember as well, given what McLaren is now, they are they are burning through money that they don't have because they operated as Honda's factory team. And we're getting over a hundred million U.S. dollars and free power units from Honda to do so. Now they were garbage, <laughs> but it meant that the team was never in danger, <laughs> and they could more or less throw money at whatever they needed to. Before that, they were funded directly by Vodafone. Yeah. Before that, they were funded by Vodafone, and they were they were the Mercedes factory team. That they is- can't keep operating like this. Yeah, they need a big season and they need one now and I don't see where it comes from. And it's a damn shame because they also have one of the best drivers in the world right now in Lando Norris and unfortunately like they have been like he's tied down for another two more years and he looks miserable in that camp at the moment. Lando Norris deserves better. He's a top five driver in the world right now. He got a podium in last year's car. How? How? And that seems so far. He he destroyed Daniel Ricardo's career. Yeah. I mean, the house is out of order. The house Everything is, is disorganized. The house is the house is on fire. Everything's disorganized. The married couple that lives in the house, they're struggling to make ends meet. They they can't keep their head above water. I don't believe that. It, what it feels, what I hear is like, I hear a lot of excuses for why McLaren can't be good and shouldn't be good. My whole thesis is your McLaren Group International, figure it out. It's a 23 Mc- race season. You get McLaren, the upgrade in race number four. RJ? You have McLaren, 19 races to figure it out. RJ, McLaren yes. Group International hasn't won a Constructors Championship in 25 years. The, the, the expectations have been adjusted. What can I say? They are. They need to get their house in order. And Quickly. to that effect, if they are McLaren and they want any real forward progress in the sport. You go to Honda. And I'm you pegged. tell them that you are a changed soul and you want to make it work and you grovel at their fucking feet. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because, like, 
you've just paired a generation-defining talent who's done everything within reason for you other than win a race with a rookie that ticks every box off of the prototypical top-tier prospect checklist that you snatched away from a rival team that's never met a young driver that they didn't want to turn into someone else's successor. (laughs) (laughs) They would absolutely love love to have that new wind tunnel up and running soon. I know what they're working with is not state-of-the-art anymore, but don't act like you're an F1 team starting off at somebody's shed in the backyard. Right. RJ, where is the James Key? Where is the James Key jump that we were all promised? Question, where is James Key in general? Where, like, everything that has come out of McLaren. (sighs) The last time time that they had anything resembling a chassis that could fight at the front was probably 2015. And we know the steps they had to take to choke that engine down to get it there. You know what I see? I see an upper middle class family that says that they're struggling to keep ends meet because they have to fly business class instead of first. They're a shit show. It will be a rough start to the season. It will be a terrible start to the season. They they better hope they have got something like the MP419B brewing for their B-spec car. It will be a colossal failure if they finish this championship, World Constructors Championship, lower than sixth. Yeah. If they finish, they're practically on the Williams any percent to have your team die speed run. Yeah. Like, they feel like Williams around 07, 08, where they just cannot get results. And that's up. And like I said, what does it say that Andreas Seidel, the best team principal in this sport, arguably bolted ship to go to Alfa Romeo? That just about says it all for me. And it's a big shame. He saw them pull that car out of the wind tunnel and was like, I am jumping ship. No, I'm Figure it out. out. You have the talent to do so. Figure it out. Let's let's talk about their other rivals here, and that's Alpine. The Alpine BWTF1 team. And they've got a new they've got a new man in the house. So Esteban Ocon is still here in the 31 car. He was eighth overall last year. And alongside him in number 10 is Pierre Gasly, um, who's finally escaped the Red Bull umbrella. Now they were a comfortable fourth last year in the end. Now, can they actually make a run at the big three? Now, they had a rocky road at times last year, but having two consistent scorers eventually had them win out their fight with McLaren for fourth. They lost Fernando Alonso to Aston Martin, but had and had to deal with a bit of short-term embarrassment on losing Oscar Piastri to McLaren. But Pierre Gasly is a solid runners-up prize if they have to pay a rebel a big fat 10 million pound check to make that happen they have (laughs) power unit shortcomings to resolve but their goal should be straightforward enough defend the four spot and see if you can close the gap to the big hitters no one's been able to do that since the turbo hybrid era began can they be the ones to do it they had a quiet test cam though didn't they they quiet but confident is how i would put alpine and it's you look at their test times you look at uh generally they were kind of just rolling through their test program but their long their long run pace seems very good little bit of the dreaded porpoising they seem to be able to tune that out of the car after the second day Mm. but the big one is that they supposedly have in effect a heavy revision to the car coming for the first race along with certain tools to help them basically control their ride, their ever important ride height in this era of ground effect cars. Mm. 
I don't think they showed their hand at all during the test. No, I agree. I think they kept everything on the wraps. And it, it it's just, it's a little weird for me to say, given what the eye test is showing me, where the car looked really stiff. But when they were, when you correct for everything, the lap time was coming. That they look to be probably solid fifth. If the upgrade comes, they could be fighting Aston for fourth. And that's fine. Like, that would be fine for Alpine. And But they're, but they're probably going to want more, aren't they? They're going to want they're gonna more. They're going to want more. It's, it's year eight of the five-year plan. <laughs> they have... Uh, it's been 84 no, years. No, no, it was it was the 100 race plan. Lauren Rossi renamed it at the car launch earlier this month. <laughs> um, oh, pound sand, dude. Come on. That's revisionist history. Dude, it, Come on. But, I, but, but, but yeah. with Alpine, the other big thing for them is that they were pretty much bulletproof through testing. Uh, we know their water pump was a massive Achilles heel last year. I mean, they lost they lost bags and bags of points to unreliability. Um, yeah. And despite that, still finished fourth in the constructors because, well, McLaren had one driver last year, so they couldn't really capitalize much on Alpine's unreliability. It was a very, it was a very ballsy thing that Alpine did. It's just like, well, we know we got reliability issues, so let's just invest what we can in the power unit, making it as powerful and efficient Crank as we can. Crank this fucker up. Crank <laughs> this motherfucker up. We can spend tokens to solve the the reliability issues later on down the road. Oh, by the way, very interesting driver lineup with two people that we're very, very sure hate each other's guts. Maybe. Who knows? It may just be all speculation. And two young drivers with a point to prove. Pierre Gasly wants to prove that he wasn't just a Red Bull guy and that he can break free of that umbrella. Esteban Ocon wants to probably break away from being the most forgettable man in Formula One, despite being a very good driver. Despite yeah. being a race winner. A yeah. race winner. Like, That's right. In a field That's... that has 10 of them this year. In a, like... in a race where he had to fend off Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. I will admit my biases. I like me Sebastian Ocon. Was Hunter in 2021 strange outlier? Yeah. That's the body of work over the last two seasons, where over the last two years, he's been paired with an old man with a notorious reputation for killing his teammates' careers in the cradle on the other side of the garage. And that indicated yeah, like, this is he, driver that's capable of leading a team? Also, yes. For all intents and purposes, he's put up probably the best fight against Fernando Alonso as a teammate since Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Ocon's damn good. I, I like Ocon doesn't have to do anything with me to prove that he's a damn good driver. He's just sort of in a career roadblock where no one above him is going to be sniffing around for a replacement, even if they probably should be. It, it's a weird one because his floor is one of the best in Formula One. Ocon is that dude. And uh, Pierre. Oh, man. Up until last year, Pierre was just carrying Alphatari. Mm. Hard carry. <laughs> pound for pound best driver in the sport at times yeah absolutely Honestly, yeah but yeah also I, I like what i'm seeing here pierre gasly also has to prove that he can lead a works team and i think yeah. he is a he is a different driver to the one who got ragdolled in half a season by max verstappen yeah um i think that definitely woke him the hell up to what he needs to do as a driver and i think mm. by and large he has since then I really like this team. I really do like this team going into the season. It's just weird that 
you know, b- before preseason testing, I figured, okay, clear fourth best. Nipping at the heels of the big three on good days. The wrench in the works is Aston, Aston Martin, Martin right next to them, <laughs> who just vaulted all the way over them, seemingly. And now we're in that contending position of nipping at the heels of the big three. Right. I'm I think those two teams are going to have an absolute dogfight for fourth in the constructors because oh, yeah. two solid driver lineups, uh, Lance Stroll showing us something notwithstanding, and two, in my opinion, very solid cars. I would love to see a titanic battle for fourth in the championship. And I love to see one of these teams start regularly pounding out the, pod- the door for podium finishes and the other thing as well that that does because let's be real the 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 other three teams that we're going to talk about are probably going to be in the points every week yeah Um, pretty much that dynamic of having two teams that seem to have vaulted away from the midfield is going to make points for everyone else a massive premium below them yeah the, the the value of the point is going to be that much increased for the teams below them because the top six are going to lock out the top six, I reckon, most weekends. So it, it almost feels like we're going to have a t- it, it's increasingly feeling to me like we're going to have a top 10 lockout because we've got the big three teams that are seemingly broken away, you know, always. And then you've got two more teams that seem to have broken away from the midfield behind them. Mm-hmm. So we get into those top three, three teams now. Yeah, let's but, get into it. Before the concrete of this sport settles any further, let's talk about the Mercedes Formula One team. Wait a minute. They shouldn't be third in the Constructors' Championship. Wait a minute. Lewis Hamilton didn't win a race last year. What in the world? When you what? take a moon shot, sometimes you miss the moon and come crashing back down to Earth. And you yeah. don't need a wind tunnel to see it. Yeah, but my key <sighs> question when the, when the, when the section was, not so easy when you're the chaser, huh? Um, it's uh, Mercedes were brought back down to earth after eight years of dominance in the 2022 season. Now they're chasing a juggernaut of a Red Bull team who produced one of the great cars in F1 history. Now what? I actually haven't got too much to say about Mercs at the moment. You've got the drivers. Lewis Hamilton is still Lewis Hamilton, and George Russell delivered in his first season in a top team. You've seemingly solved the porpoising problem, but your car still looks sloppy on corner exit. You need to be perfect to give the ball something to think about. Are you? Mm. Uh, I don't know. They had a really hard to read test. Um, It was better than last year. <laughs> the bar is resting somewhere in the inner core of the earth because last year really couldn't have gone any worse. The bar is resting somewhere where the ride height was, where they were trying to put it before they realized, oh, this ain't working. Yeah, because when you try when you bring 1.5 seconds worth of gains and you find 1.5 seconds worth of losses, shit gets bad real quick. Mm. Um, yeah, the W14, the uh, the carbon arrow, because they scraped all the paint off, uh, paint your damn cars. It's an improvement across the board from its flawed parent. There's no real sign of aero or mechanical bouncing. There is a difference. They had both last year. This car seems to have neither. But it wasn't really smooth sailing with uh, day two pretty much being a total loss for them. Day one was pretty good. Day two, they had not just that, but this really piss poor balance. Mm. Uh, the car was just skating around no matter the tire, no matter the driver. They were losing the rear all day long. Yeah, and, and that seems to be an ongoing theme with the car. 
Um, and then obviously the hydraulic pump ended their day early, but they never really felt like it, it never really seems like they have a full handle on the balance of this car where it turns in like a bastard. It turns into the corner as quick as anything else. But from apex onwards, it just looks like it's it's struggling to find purchase. It's you can't really get the rear tires in the ground. Um, lots of snap oversteer, not the crazy snap oversteer that say Red Bull had a couple years ago, where they would just get pitched off into the gravel. But it didn't look great. You know, Lewis set the fastest time late on in day three, but was very quickly usurped by. Perez on one step harder, a compound tire. Yeah. Kind of a wash given the C5s were dying out by the end of the lap, but still not a great sign. They just seem adrift. Not quite in the clutches of those behind them, like Aston and Alpine, but not quite on the level over a lap of Ferrari and Red Bull, and certainly not with the race pace of Red Bull. I'm going to nail my flag to the mast here. I think they're pretty much exactly where they were last year. About, yeah, pretty much. About three or four temps off, off, off Red Bull and where they really need to be to challenge for wins consistently. Like, yeah. And, I mean, all, all the talk about the concept of the car, I mean, while in, at first glance it may look similar to its parent, it is in detail very, very different in execution. Right. And... They're kind of running to Red Bull's philosophy last year, at least in terms of ride height, of running it a little higher off the ground. Because, well, they designed a car last year of maximum everything. Maximum flow underneath, maximum flow up top, slam it into the ground. They built a wonderful car on paper. They built a wonderful car. They, you know, if we ran races on paper, we wouldn't need to run them. But that's why they don't. And last year's Mercedes was a disaster for most of the season. This car seems to be a much more stable platform to work with, and they should be able to develop well across the season with that. And they've talked at length about a big revision coming in the European rounds to get them on terms with Red Bull. For their sake, it better, because I don't see it right now, not by a damn sight. For my mission statement on Mercedes in 2023, please refer to the previous three-word model for McLaren. Figure that shit out. That's four words. Um, But there's also going to be the other looming factors. Like, this is the last year of Lewis Hamilton's current contract. Mm. Is this his last ride? No, probably not. The the way they're talking, I think Hamilton will sign one more contract. That would if it's two years, it takes him into his age forty season. And I, I every every element that I can see is that Hamilton is clearly still hungry. And he wants number eight because number eight is the last major count and stat left in the book that he doesn't own, essentially. No, Zoe, Grand Slams don't count. I know you're listening. Um, so, <laughs> the Clark but, fan in the peanut gallery. But uh, I, 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 that's, I think that the, the, the way they've been talking, they're clearly like, apparently they've already talked about negotiations. They seem positive. I think they'll get that done at some point throughout the year. I, don't, I just don't think they're in a hurry to get that signed. I don't think there's anything to doubt that Hamilton will stick around. Um, I think he will. I think he'll sign another two-year deal. I think it will take him to 40, and then I think they'll see where Mercs are at. I think he'd be doing himself a disservice, given how good he still is to not at least have a peek at what the 26 regulations look like. But yeah. I, I don't know how much further. I mean, look, 
we're into the uncharted territory, really. I mean, most guys don't normally go into their 40s. The only two we've had recently is Kimi Raikkonen, who dropped off hard once he got to 41, and Fernando Alonso, who is somehow still really good at 41. So I don't know what's going to happen with this one. But I think Hamilton sticks around, personally. Uh, yeah, I think he sticks around at least his age 40 season. After that, who knows? Agreed. You know what I mean, for me, the car looks decent. I mean, if it weren't for one other team looking so damn exceptional, I would say they probably would be at least in the fight for wins. Um, As it stands, I think they're kind of going to be treading water until that upgrade comes in. And the problem with waiting for that upgrade to come in that, you know, if they know that they've got a big gain in the wind tunnel sitting around. Why are you why are you showing up with the package you've got? Yeah. But also that other team is going to be bringing performance of their own. Right. And I, I suspect that the lap that Lewis set on what was clearly extremely low fuel to get that fastest C4 or C5 time was probably showing a little bit more of their hand than Red Bull was. I think so, too. Again, it's purely off the eye test. Let's talk about their contenders in the red corner. <laughs> Scuderia Ferrari, our friends the and stumbling yours. haunts. That's uh, right. I'm, we, I'm reminded of the words of Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend John McKay when asked, what do you think of your team's execution, coach? He replied, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Carlos It's Carlos Sainz in the 55 first-time race winner last year. It's Charles Leclerc last year's championship runner-up. Uh, Dre, just cut to the chase with your key, quest, your key question. Can you actually execute? A season of refinement at Ferrari after gains were made, but embarrassing moments plaguing their 2022 season. Fred Vassar from Alfa Romeo comes in to replace Matteo Bonotto, but it's probably unfair to expect a huge turnaround so quickly just through one man. They seem confident, but their long-run pace in testing was cause for concern. Would just executing to their best be enough to give the Tafosi something to hold on to? Ah, uh, Ferrari put a new man, a respected man, at the helm of the team because Frederick Vasseur, by all accounts, is regarded as one of the best in the business. They shook up the strategy department. All hail Lord Ruedo and all. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your service. They've kept two of the best and most evenly matched young drivers in the sport together under the same roof and by all accounts... They may not have showed all their cards during official testing. Everything looks in order. Italy's economy is thriving. The Tiffany brand of Formula One is better than it was before. And yet, I can't help but people deep down really enjoy it when Ferrari has everything going for them and decides to throw away success at every opportunity. If Ferrari isn't the main character of every Formula One race weekend... With their, with their with their comedic attempts to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, who the hell else is going to step up? Mercedes haven't been pretenders for that long to be likable in that role, and nobody else has the juice to win consistently. <sighs> Charles Leclerc deserves better than this man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it just feels like same, same, but different. Where the Ferrari is quick over a lap. No doubt. Um, I think it's like over a lap, it looks... It looks like Monka Steer 
is search that GIF in Discord uh, if you want to, and you'll understand mm. what I mean. Um, but it looks quick overlap. However, that was not the problem with the previous car. The right. previous car's problem was that it was butchering tires. And this car butchers tires. Their long run pace looked like straight garbage. It's like playing F1 2013 all over again. The tires were good for about three laps, and then after that, you're struggling as you slide around everywhere where you can take advantage of the bad AI and just keep everybody behind you. Um, you're, you're praying to the RNG gods that Lotus hands you that triple consecutive tire wear upgrade. Mm, delicious. Um, yeah, I mean, another thing as well, in, in kind of changing their philosophy with this car a little bit, They've sacrificed some of their downforce that made them just epic through the twisty stuff last year to re- help reduce their straight line speed deficit to the Red Bulls, which had the power of God and anime installed in the back of the car. Now, normally, if you were a good Formula One team, you'd find a way to get that straight line speed without costing yourself cornering performance. But this is Ferrari we're talking about. It just seems like they've kind of they've made a sacrifice and ended up exactly in the same place maybe it will race better against the red bulls given and red bulls straight line speed advantage was just overwhelming last year here's the thing with ferrari none of this really matters and it doesn't matter who they get to drive the car or how good the car is how reliable the car is given they've already blown a power unit this year and one of the customers doesn't matter what your car is good at they need to be in a position to maximize it and ferrari seems to have finally taken the hint and blown up their strategy team Mm. it's about damn time in the words of lebron james but we we don't know what that's actually going to look like until they are out in the wild no no plan ever survives contact with the enemy, as they say. And and the, the thing about last year was, remember, Ferrari started off like gangbusters last year. How did it develop where Ferrari is winning races and yet it still feels dissatisfying? Because they did so much to try and throw away. That was Britain, by the way. That was yeah, Carlos they, they had, first win. Yeah, they blew. They took advantage of Max Verstappen running over a piece of AlphaTauri and having a terrible, no good, and very bad day, and they still screwed over their lead guy in the championship. Yeah, they won Austria last year, and yet it barely felt like a win because Max was breathing down their neck with Charles suffering a throttle problem, and Carlos Sainz's engine decided to head over to the uh head up to the junkyard in the sky one of and the blow great, itself so straight to the sky motorsport photos of the year is carlos Sainz looking back at his burning smoldering car behind him mm-hmm. that smells one. smells like burnt capris smells like haunts smells like burning haunts um yeah i i think ferrari do have something to fight with in qualifying well, we said they had that last year. They had nine. They had that last year. They had nine. And I they, think they've they, they had double-digit pole positions last season. They had double-digit pole positions. They had the fastest car over a single lap on the year. Right. Um, and we know 
Charles Leclerc's box office. We know Carlos Sainz is bomb-proof consistent when he's comfortable with the car. Sensational power drivers. <laughs> they, I, I think as far as just raw talent, they are, they are matched perhaps only by Mercedes on this grid. Agreed. They have a stupendous lineup. Don't race them. But if they they need to sort their tire wear if they want to even challenge for race wins because their long run pace looked atrocious in Bahrain testing. Should we, should we get the big boys out of the way? That's oh, right. Oh, rip the bandage off. That's well, right. Red Let's Bull talk Honda. about Red Bull Racing Honda. It's Max Verstappen, your reigning, defending, undisputed two-time Formula One champion of the world. Sergio Perez, Monaco Grand Prix winner, third in last year's championship. Um, where do you go from here? Actually, Dre, your key question, can you build a dynasty? That's what it feels like to me. It feels like we're no longer talking about Red Bull in terms of can you defend the title. I mean, let's put it to you this way. The bookies have them odds on to retain both championships. Around 1.6 if you're a European gambler, four to six in British money. Long story short, if you're gambling a hundred bucks on Verstappen to win the title, your profit's going to be about sixty-five dollars. <laughs> you, you've you've got to risk uh. more than you've got to risk severely more um, to get back what you what, what you're getting here. In other words, it's it's like the bookies it's have not seen worth enough. It. No, don't 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 bet on Formula One long term. Uh, over four uh, your brother, episodes. your <laughs> brother watched Perez's lap, and it's just I've seen enough. Yeah, because he, and he immediately tweeted Skies for a request to bet, saying, "Can I get odds on Red Bull to win every single race in 2022?" He he now, wants to run the table bet. <laughs> oh my god! Sh- Shades of Mercedes 2016. Talk amongst yourselves for a second. Let me see if he's actually got that up yet. Um, okay, so. Is this a legacy year for Matt's Verstappen? I think it's a legacy year for Matt's Verstappen because good health willing, uh, by the time the season is over, he'll be ahead of Ayrton Senna on the all-time wins list and knocking on the door of Alain Prosmark too, and Sebastian Vettel. And he'll likely, he's below even money, as you mentioned, to win his third straight championship. Something done by exactly four other humans that have ever lived, including one on this current grid. That's Fangio, that's Schumacher, that's Vettel, that's Hamilton. And soon that could be Verstappen. So what is left for Red Bull to do? One, two in the driver's standings, run the table, win every race? I doubt Sergio Perez would find himself in a title-winning position. I'd love him, but I don't think it's going to happen. But if I'm him, I want to make sure that finishing in the top two in the driver's championship doesn't come down to... Say, I don't know, Matt's going into business for himself in the last lap of a race or something like that. I don't know. I have nothing to add other than I saw what Red Bull brought to the table in testing. It looks just as good. Uh, RJ, they're 7-2 to two to win 18 races next year. Sweet <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've, I've looked at Skybet's F1 section. Red Bull to win 18-plus races is 7-2 to two odds. Trey. It's got money. What do money. they say? What do it's... they, quote unquote, say? I don't know. I, I say a lot of things. You're going to have to remind me. Beware the one who waits in silence. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that phrase. Red yeah. Bull were very, very quiet, very secretive. Well, for two weeks, all we saw of the RB19 was video shot from across the way at Silverstone that was about seven pixels wide. Mm-hmm. 
And remember, they didn't show off their actual car in that launch that made everybody realize, oh, yeah, it turns out we don't like big, extravagant car launches as much as we thought we did. Yeah, that 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 event that uh, the, the CEO of Liberty shouldn't have been at, even though, you know, they also unveiled that a new engine manufacturer was entering the sport, which had already leaked, <laughs> which and, already de- leaked. and they're definitely manufacturing it, by the way. They're oh, definitely they're definitely it. not ba- just badging it. I digress. Mm-hmm. Red Bull took the longest of everyone to unveil their car. And when it rolled off the truck, you could be forgiven for thinking that well, it just kind of looks like an RB18 but more. Well, when your car just won 17 races, you evolve what you've got. Pretty much. They had about as perfect a test as you could ask for. They were relentlessly pounding around for laps. They were the quickest of everyone across every scenario. Anytime someone set a quicker lap on the first two days, Max went out and casually smashed it into the ground. Right. Uh, Even better than that, Perez seems to be able to make this car work better than last year's car because the prevailing rumor is that Red Bull's basically on or below the weight limit. And that gives you the opportunity to take ballast, which was basically out of the question last year with everyone over the minimum weight. You can use that as a balancing tool now. Oh. And Honda's power unit. Uh, the Honda badges are back on the car. We love to see that. Uh, it's just as stout as ever. Um, Red Bull and Alphatari had no reliability issues across the test, with the exception of some finger trouble and smashing the car on the ground, destroying the floor one day on uh, Max's car. Whoops. Um, this car looks like a million bucks when it's out on track. It passes every eye test. They get on the throttle. It just hunkers down and launches up out of corners. It cuts into corners with a, a scything precision that really nothing else, maybe or maybe the Ferrari have. It's still a bullet in a straight line. They set that fastest lap time with Perez, by the way, with uh, one of their lower trap speeds on the week. So the engine was probably turned down. Yeah. And their long runs look just as devastating as last year, where they could they were fluent in over six million forms of kicking the field's ass because they could basically make up whatever strategy worked best for them. It feels like it feels like 2013 all again. And to Mercedes Ferrari, that's the benchmark you gotta go chase. Mercedes gotta go find that again. Ferrari, you've just gotta find it. Verstappen is 18 to 1 to score points in every single race. He's only 18 to 1 to score points in every race. That's terrifying. And here's the and that's not even getting into Max Verstappen because you know what a bad day looks like for Max for Max Verstappen these days? Second, Second place. Yeah. Yeah. If he has a really shitty day, he might finish like seventh if the car is broken, like he did in, in Britain last year. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't fold anymore not really right um if you combine that with an even stronger perez good luck everybody uh-huh right i think that may just like jump the gun because i prepared something a little special uh source from the publication i write for racefans.net um i've comprised these killer questions and hot takes uh they actually published uh, 20 questions for the upcoming season i've picked what i felt are the best ones that i think would be the best for us uh this could also be a prediction game uh so i want to ask y'all first what do you think the biggest political story will be this f1 season multiple teams breaking the 2022 cost cap oh god no you heard it here. No, no, not like this. 
I couldn't handle we couldn't handle it last year. No. <laughs> I've given that three teams made boo-boos of varying degrees last year. I've got a feeling the teams haven't got their haven't got themselves fully wrapped around this yet. And with a lot more cash throwing around this year, despite the cap actually going down by five mil, um, I think teams are gonna screw up again. I think there will be lingering there is still obviously like a bit of lingering tension between the FIA and its current power structure and the Formula One constructors and Formula One management. I am very curious to see if that is alleviated now that Mohammed bin Suleyem has been removed from his uh from his current role, from the old role that he had and been put in this new role that he wanted all along, that they have a new point of contact. Let's see where this goes. Okay. I think, given the state of the competitive order, it will linger from last year of, well, how big was Red Bull's penalty for their initial cost cap breach, actually, if they go and run the field over again? Mm. Because I think, like, with their reduction in CFD time, that's going to hurt them when they have to get into detail engineering. Now, this car is very detail engineered. But mm-hmm. also there are big geometry changes. There are big physical changes to the car. Those don't cost as much in the wind tunnel. What costs a lot more in the wind tunnel is when you're having to really just put some elbow grease into every individual surface to try and get performance out of your concept. If Red Bull are still finding big gains from big geometry changes, I don't think their CFD penalty is going to affect them very much at all. And there will be people that do not that are not very pro Red Bull that are gonna feel real, really real hard done. About. And more than that, if Red Bull do look as good as they, if they are as good as they look, if they beat the field black as black and blue as their car is for the first half of this season, if they can can development like they did on the RB18 last year, oh boy, early on around Belgium time, and devote their reduced time all in into the next car, into the 2024 car, they're going to mitigate a lot of that penalty. And fair play to them. Not much fair play, given they broke the regulations. Good design does not stop being good design because you put a cost cap on it. Bad design doesn't become good design because you try to level the playing field. That's something that a certain individual on Twitter who keeps peddling certain Ross Braun quotes needs to understand. The regulations can only get you so far. And Red Bull will have done an extraordinary job if they can manage that and basically come out of that proportionally pretty damn harsh penalty just by sheer brute force of their technical team. Well, I want to jump into that with another question. How many races does Red Bull win? This one's simpler. I'm going to say we've got got 23 on the year. We got 23 races on the calendar. I think it is possible for them to get, I'd say, 16. I think Max Verstappen wins a few less races, but still just somehow as good a season. I'm going to stick with the same number they had last year at 17. Hmm. I am going to go. I'm going to go with Dre's number. I'm going to go 17. Coward. Um, right. <laughs> I, 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 okay, okay. You know what? Fuck you. Red Bull runs the table. 
No, they're not. Be serious. Nope, nope. I'm going to be unserious because you provoked me. Oh, don't blame me for your unseriousness. <laughs> uh, that that transition. Yeah, no, actual actually... prediction. Actual prediction. I'm actually going to go 18 because I think. I think Ferrari will have lost some of their X factor from last year, but I also think Mercedes will be in a much better position to develop and challenge them over the course of the season. Because again, I think if Red Bull's smart, they can develop if they are able to can development as early as possible and shift it all to 24. Sure. So here's my question. Out of those five to seven different races that Red Bull doesn't win, how many different teams will win a race? Three. The big three. That'll be it. I don't see a free I'm go, winner. I'm going to go four. Who's, who's I'm going to go one? four. I think the extra will be Aston Martin winning a complete nonsense race. I think they're I think, in, I think they're just close enough that they could. You know me. I'm an optimist, right? I, I, I'm going with four. I think it's going to be Alpine that wins. So I predictable. <laughs> I, think, I think Pierre Gasly is going to win another race. Okay, okay. Uh, to that end, which team will finish ahead, Alpine or Aston Martin? I'm going with Alpine. Alpine. I, I think I trust them more. Well, now I have to be contrarian. I think it's going to be Aston. I think Aston are going to be really strong out of the gates. Make, make notes of these, Jason. I know you're listening. <laughs> what will Fernando Alonso's best result of the season be? Fifth. Third. A win. Stop. I'm the Fernando Alonso homer of this podcast. I'm, not I, 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 dead ass. You think he's going to win one? I think if Aston wins a race. Are you, are you going to say? I said Aston are going to win races. I think they're going to win a race. Do you, you do. think I'm picking Lance Stroll? The internet is going to be unbearable. If, I know. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to be absolutely insufferable if this happens. RJ is going to be in his bag, in his toolbox, in his satchel on that podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, bring it back down to earth. Which rookie scores the most points? Oscar Piastri, Nick DeVries, or Logan Sargent? Oh. Pretty straightforward for me. It's Oscar Piastri. Oh. Oh Mc God! McLaren, McLaren are bad. I don't think they're that bad. Yeah, it's I think McLaren will drag it back far enough that they will be able to get some points on the board, just by virtue of Williams stinking and AlphaTauri being a nothing burger. Piastri, Piastri for me too. Like it, it's messy, but they've got enough inertia behind them. Uh, will an eleventh team be confirmed for? this upcoming season or an upcoming season by the time this year ends. No. I think the, I think the teams will dig their heels in and run out the clock as long as they can. Yes, but not in the way you might think, because I think we'll get an 11th team via one of these teams going away. I think AlphaTauri will get sold. But that's not an 11th team. Uh, that's hence what I'm saying. That's a, that's not a new in that tenth way. Team. Yeah, that's yeah. New, we're we're exchanging. So the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is uh, the answer is no. But I don't think we're finishing with the ten teams we have this year. Yeah. For me, for me, it's no. There will still be ten teams, and 
everybody says they hate Bernie Ecclestone and the way they used to do things until they want to act just like him. I don't know. Who is the first driver to lose their seat for the 2024 season? Yuki Tsunoda. <sighs> oh, God damn it. It hurts. He will, fucking just, hurts. he will just he will be just fine in an ARTA Honda Civic Type R GT500. But I wanted so much more from him. Uh, if, uh, I think I think it's Lance Stroll. I think Lance Stroll no, suddenly decides, not in a billion million fulfillion shashillion years. He's, no guaranteed, he's guaranteed a seat as long as he wants it. I don't think he wants it anymore. I, I would be shocked if he wants it. I'd the problem is, if he doesn't want it, what happens to Aston Martin? He just becomes a consultant with the team. <laughs> if if he decides to move on to something else, Aston Martin dies. Okay, okay. I think it's that simple. Okay, fine. I'll go with a different answer. And I don't even like going with this. Joe Wan Yu. <laughs> That's also valid. Unfortunately. Uh, not the trip guy. <sighs> I, I tend to agree with RJ. I think it's going to be Joe. I agree. I think I think Joe's on the way out because I think Theo Porcher will win the Formula 2 title. Because I think the other thing is is that depending if, if Andretti do end up tying up with AlphaTauri and by all accounts Honda need a, tar- a partner team that could be a lifeline for Yuki. We'll see. Yeah. And I think um, as long as they do have Honda power units, he's probably in okay shape. Okay. Which team will make the biggest improvement on its 2022 points haul? All right, I guess we're all going Aston Martin here. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, Lamau, Aston Martin. Aston Martin. Uh, here's a fun one for you. Which drivers, if any, will collect enough penalty points to earn a race ban? Keep in mind, Pierre Gasly is already somehow way up there. Honestly, it could be Pierre Gasly just by the carryover. Is, isn't Gasly on 10? He's not, he's not quite on 10. 10 is the automatic race ban. Is he on 10? I think 12 is the automatic ban, oh, isn't it? Okay, I'm missing, I'm missing that up with Super GTs. Driving moral hazard Yeah, yeah. Pierre, Pierre Gasly is two points away from a ban. And his points drop off the board um, in May. Oh, God. <laughs> So, so he's, he's, he's going to get through at least four rounds first because Baku's on April 30th. But here's the thing. I, I think Pierre Gasly had every opportunity to try and like take a strategic red card to get it out of the way before the season started, and it just wouldn't give it to him. No, <laughs> really not. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Daniel Ricciardo's safe from a race ban with eight. Yeah, he's, he's probably in the clear. I'm going to say no in all seriousness. I don't think someone will get to the point where they're over 12. I hope uh, not. I hope I, Gasly doesn't, but he's close enough that like any incident is going to push him into a race ban, like any on-track incident where he's found guilty. The, the Alpine just has him like, okay, listen, we want to give Jack doing some seat time at his home Grand Prix. So Pierre, could you just cause some nonsense in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> yeah, his, uh, or something. Yeah, his points drop off the board uh, May 22nd. He's going to get through five rounds before his points start decreasing. Uh, How many different podium finishes will be scored by drivers from teams other than Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes? I'm going with three. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm thinking lower. 
I'm thinking like I'm, I'm gonna say one. Oh wow! Too much bullshit has to happen. You, you've got to expect three of the big six to have an off day to get someone else from outside in there. I can't I bet on that on a regular basis. I'm gonna go one on this one. I think it's both Alpine drivers and Fernando Alonso. One same boat here. I think one. I think maybe Alonso sneaks one. Will the drivers' championship be decided before or after the penult or at the penultimate round in Las Vegas? Before our new venues. Before I, I, I think Max is that good. I think he's. I think. I think he might break the points record again. Um, I, I, I think he wins it before Vegas. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fade everybody strategically and say it's at the penultimate round of Las Vegas on Saturday night. Sure, it's feasible. And then I guess the big ones. <laughs> Although <laughs> the way it's going, uh, we might just be picking the same ones across the board. Who wins the constructors? Red Bull. Red, Red Bull. Bull Racing Honda Oracle featuring Kerbagajanian featuring Ford Red Bull powertrains. And who wins the driver's championship? Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. Maximilian Verstappen. God, we were all so agreeable on this. Thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we all held hands in a circle and, 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 and formed prayer. Um, this was a fun one, gentlemen. Um, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be more fun than the actual. It won't be as fun as the actual season itself. But I'm not. I'm going to be honest. I'm not holding out much hope here. I want um, this to be good. I want this to be competitive because when Formula One's really good, it's really good. It has the power to bring people together. I am expecting a ferocious ass whooping. Me too. So let's see what happens when Formula One starts this weekend for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, I would say I can't wait, but if I'm honest, I'm lying to you. I've been Dre Harrison. <laughs> They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. We'll be back later to talk about Formula E in Hyderabad. Not Hyderabad, sorry. <laughs> a bit of a blooper there at the end. Formula E in Cape Town. And, oh boy, that was a newsworthy weekend, to say the least. And until then, I've been Dre Harrison, David, RJ, and Cam. Sayonara. Later, y'all. So what if McLaren gave Peugeot a call? Stop. 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 You're right. You're right.